Kristen, one of this week's big releases is The Martian, starring Matt Damon as an astronaut who is stranded on Mars. And we've both seen it. A lot of science in this film. And uh, one of the main things about this movie is that he is figuring out how to do all these crazy things that you never think you'd be able to do on Mars, like grow food and, you know, create your own habitat and, you know, Operate use... vehicles when you don't have gasoline. Exactly. Get uh, into communication with Earth when you don't have proper internet. Exactly. Uh, how are you going to do this? You, you know, using chemistry and botany and perhaps the hexadecimal system, you're going to figure <laughs> out all these things, how to survive on Mars. Right before the film is released... NASA, who cooperated with this movie, announces, oh, by the way, we actually think there is water on Mars. Flowing water, not flowing. frozen water. No, no, no. Running, running water, not like an apartment has, but running, flowing water. And the question is, does this take away anything from the film? Because or, in the film, Mars has no water, which is what we all thought. I just can't help but think it's a PR stunt. Oh, you think it's just a big Hollywood, Hollywood NASA, military-industrial complex conspiracy? They, well, yes, because you know how NASA and the movie have a shared hashtag on Twitter right now? <laughs> Journey to yes. Mars. And the hashtag is to promote both the NASA Mars program right. and to promote the movie? Right. Interesting. Also, Interesting. You, you had this information, according to Ridley Scott, months ago. Yes, and chose to hold off on releasing it, NASA, until yes. this week when the movie's coming out. Aha. Hello. That seems a little bit questionable to me. All right. Let's talk about uh, whether that sort of wrecks the film or takes anything away from The Martian. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about The Walk, the new Robert Zemeckis film with Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the guy who walked between the Twin Towers on a high wire in 1974. And we're going to give you recommendations for 31 Scary movies for October. That's our movie therapy question. It is indeed. I'm going to need therapy after that. (laughs) (laughs) Just talking about these movies is going to be too scary. Uh, All that and more in a minute. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. Okay, Kristen, tell us about The Walk. All right. So Joaquin Phoenix is playing Johnny Cash. <laughs> the oh, no. Walk. Sorry. That's sorry. Walk Hard. Or no, the, that's Walk the, the Line. The Dewey Cox story that we're talking about. <laughs> is that the one you mean? No. <laughs> or are you talking about I Saw the Light with Tom Hiddleston as, as Hank Williams? That's coming I, up. We haven't seen that I, yet. I think it's A Walk to Remember, that faith-based <laughs> movie with Mandy Moore. No, I'm sorry. Oh, no, come on now. Okay, okay. All right. This movie is about Philippe Petit. Am I pronouncing his name right? I would have said Petit. Petit. Philippe Petit. P-E-T-I-T. I sound like Papi Le Pew. You when I say his do. name, it is terrible. Or like Chef Boyardee. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, so we have this guy who really existed. And back in the 1970s, he's living in France. He's juggling. He's doing little street acts. He's riding a unicycle. And he likes doing high wire walking. You know, just stringing a rope between two trees or in one case, Notre Dame, between the two towers. And then at the same point, the World Trade Center is being built in New York. He sees a photo of this in a magazine and decides, that's my next tightrope walk right there. But how am I going to do this? These towers are still being built. There's probably a lot of security there. I have to scope out how everything works. How am I going to even string this rope between these two buildings? It's the ultimate caper. I will find a way. Here's a clip. If I do the walk with a safety line, it's... 
becomes meaningless. Would you work with the safety line? Years ago, when you first started to teach me in this house, I was a stupid little kid and I never listened to you, but you told me something I always remember. You said you cannot lie on stage. Now, you might recall, Rafer, back in 2008, there was a documentary called Man on Wire. Yes. Which was all about the same story about Philippe Petit and how he and his friends pulled all of this off. Great movie. And some of us, including me, were thinking, do we really need a feature film telling this story again? The documentary was so good. It won an Oscar. Well-deserved Oscar. Yes. It was so well-paced. It really shows us a lot about his character. He and his friends had a lot of home movies back then, so there was great documentation to work with. Why do we need this Robert Zemeckis schlocky, one-man-against-the-world sort of perspective, because that's what Zemeckis does. He yes. Loves, he loves doing that. Yes, do we he does. Real, do we really need his version of it, and do we really need Joseph Gordon Lovett in this role? What did you think, Rafer? Well, I know what you're saying, um, and uh, there were a couple of things that initially, and I guess I should, be, if I'm being honest, that continually irked me about this film. One was Joseph Gordon Levitt's accent, which I which did. Which is as good as mine. <laughs> which is about as good as yours. May we? And I thought that was a yeah, the accent. I thought grated on me a little bit, even though I did think that ultimately. As an actor, I thought he captured Petit pretty well. If you've seen Petit in the documentary, you know that he's this sort of sprite. He's this little French, you know. He's so gentil. Yeah, he's, he is very, he's like a little pixie. Um, <laughs> and Joseph Gordon-Levitt captures that pretty well. The other thing that I sort of jarred me throughout this film was Robert Zemeckis loves high-tech uh, visuals and special effects. And he loves 3D. Loves that CGI. He loves that Just CGI. Loves and... Um, occasionally I felt that the film was a little cartoony, you know, there's a lot of, uh, uh, because it's in 3D and in IMAX, um, he, you know, he, there's a lot of this stuff that dates back to the fifties where when an arrow is flying, you know, it's coming right at you. It's that arrow's about to hit me right between the eyes. You know, when the cables suddenly sag, they, you know, the cables start hurtling right toward your face. And there's these odd touches like the seagull. You know, there's this sort of oh god, the slightly animatronic-looking seagull, uh, little things like that. The Statue of Liberty that looks the like Statue of Liberty. However, uh, I think all this is intentional, and I think what Zemeckis is trying to create, and I ultimately think it works, is this kind of fairy tale atmosphere. He's trying to create this kind of m- magical fantasy kingdom. Uh, where the Twin Towers are and where Petite comes and see the, sees them. And it's almost like those towers are like Jack's beanstalk or something, right? And he's going to climb these things. And so in a way, it feels like that kind of fantasy atmosphere sort of felt right. And in the end, I kind of felt like that was the right way to tell it. And I have to say, I really loved this movie, ultimately. Well, Rafer, I have to agree with you that sometimes that fairy tale look about it was a bit much with the seagull and so on. But the thing I took more issue with was I didn't need all the narration. Oh, you didn't? Oh, mm, you know I disagree. The way, you know the way it opens up and he's like, I am Philippe Petit. Yeah. Here I am on the top of the Statue of Liberty. Bonjour. Look at this city. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> yes. Bonsoir. Yeah. yeah. I sometimes felt that that didn't need to happen. Interesting. I, I didn't need all those little chapter markers that constantly happen where suddenly he's back at the Statue of Liberty giving uh-huh. us another speech about, this was the most meaningful thing I ever done. Right. You know, I didn't need that every time he was doing things. Sometimes the story, you can trust us in the audience that we can just follow the story. It's fine. We don't yes. necessarily need that to happen. But 
that that was really my only major criticism of the movie huh. was I didn't really need that. Once we were at the towers, this movie won me over like gangbusters. You're uh-huh. up there. You're on this wire. You're feeling the dread. You're feeling the fear. You're feeling the exhilaration. Yeah. You're getting great angles where you actually can sense how horrible it would be to fall and die. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And there's something about it that was exhilarating but also incredibly moving to me. There was yes. a certain point where my heart actually felt a little bit broken over the whole thing. Yes. And yes. while well, he's on the wire and I thought that was a major emotional accomplishment. The film was able to get me to feel all of those things at yes. that moment. And I, I can't help but love the movie because of that. Yeah. So I'm saying The Walk is a very good date. Yeah. I thought it was actually a great date. Um, and I think my, my, uh, my impression of it might be a little bit colored because one of the first things I thought when I came out of the film um, is that it's PG and there's really uh, nothing objectionable for a kid. And it made me think, oh, my my boys, my five-year-old and seven-year-old boys would actually love this movie because it's it's scary, but it's not terrifying. It's tense. It's exciting. There's a lot of, you know, it, everything he's doing is illegal. So it has the fun of like a caper, cat and mouse kind of feeling. You're doing something naughty, but also something totally awesome. The special effects are great and no one's getting shot. No one's being, you know, there's no, there's no sex. There's, there's no, no real, blood. There's no there's language, no, really. There's some salty, you know, there's an oath here and there maybe, but there's nothing... There's nothing really like adult about it almost in a way. And it made me think that they could like that movie too and that it would be a good family date as well. So I, I don't know. I, this I think is one of the better films I've seen this year. I loved The Walk. All right, Rafer, let's leave Earth for a moment, shall we? Yes. And go to Mars. Let's go to Mars, Tell Kristen. me all. Tell me all about this movie called The Martian. By the way, he's not a little green man. No, no. He's a human man. He's a human guy. Yes. He's from Earth. His name is Mark Watney. He's played by Matt Damon, and he's part of a NASA crew. They're up there uh, collecting some specimens, living in a habitat. A sandstorm comes, and uh, the ship's got to go. And Mark Watney gets stuck out out in the blowing, swirling, red Martian dirt, his uh, his signal's lost. His helmet's been breached. His helmet's been cracked. Uh, he's clearly losing oxygen. There's no way he's alive. They make the tough call to leave him. But he actually is alive. And imagine waking up stranded on Mars, being left behind by your crew. How is he going to survive? Here's a clip. So I got to figure out a way to grow three years' worth of food here on a planet where nothing grows. Luckily, I'm a botanist. Mars will come to fear my botany powers. Oh, it's just so scary and devastating. It I, is. I, I, I've thought about this before. And when gravity came out, I also thought about this, like, what happens if you're just stuck in space? Oh, I hate the idea of space. Just, oh, space is the worst. Let's I hate not it. go there, Rafer. And, I, and, you know, the whole premise of this movie, all I could think was, how quickly can you kill yourself when you're trapped on Mars? Because I want to find that method and do it if I'm in this situation that Probably astronaut Mark is in. Yeah. I think all you have to do is just take, take off, off your, your helmet, helmet and walk outside. Yeah. Um, but yeah. astronaut Mark is not of the same ilk as me no. or you, Rachel. No, he's he, not. He's got a great attitude. He sees this as an equation to fix. Every moment of the day is a possibility for new yes. inventiveness, new creativity, using science to his advantage to – Quote the most popular quote from the book and in the movie, I'm going to science the shit out of this planet. Exactly, And he 
has a great personality. He's not looking at this as this is the end, this is the end, this is the end. This is hope. This is possibility. I'm going to fix this thing. So, right. yeah, you and I would be dead. He'd oh, be I'd be dead. <laughs> I'd be dead. I would go through my I would go through my little freeze dried packs of food and my tang, and then at the end, I just have to die. That'd be it. There's no There's no way I'm I'm doing anything else up there. Well, to me, the best scene in this film, the most interesting, compelling scene in this film, is when Mark Watney grows food. He figures out how to grow food on Mars. I was cheering. Yeah, I threw my arms up in there and I was like, yes, because he does, because what he has done is sort of the impossible and made us and and convinced us, even though it's a movie, that it could be possible. Oh, my God. If you could grow food on Mars, then you could actually colonize and live on that planet. It's some it's a momentous, uh, you know, achievement in, in the film. And somehow, even though it's fake. In my mind. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? In in my mind. He makes soil. He makes irrigation happen. Yes. He creates water. Yes. He creates water on Mars. And as we were saying, now there turns out there actually is water (laughs) on Mars. Oops. Well, here's the thing for me. The problem is this film is only science. It's only little, well, big, big and little obstacles to be overcome. How am I going to grow food? How am I going to get myself from point A to point B when I have a rover that can only travel X miles and needs to be recharged for X hours using the sun? How long will it take me? Can I survive? What's my oxygen level? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Can I repair this habitat using duct tape? Yes, I can. And, and eventually... <laughs> How do I catapult myself into the sky? How right. do I get back to Earth? How do I <laughs> right. communicate with people when I can't actually write to them? I mean... It's amazing. No, it's it's great. But I did feel after a while that I wanted a story to be told, and a story was not being told to me. There is no there's no villain, there's no conflict, there's no added complication really yes, to his there situation. Is. Yes, there is. What about the head of NASA being played by Jeff Daniels, who doesn't know what to communicate to whom and is just trying to keep a good PR face going? That's not a story. It so is. his fellow astronauts are all in space and they're returning home for a journey that's several hundred days. And they don't know that Mark Watley's still alive because NASA chooses not to tell them. How, how do they work around that? What not happens a, it's not when a, or if not they a story. find out? That's not a, that's not a story. No, it's... It's it's just Mark Watney on you the just planet. Think it's a situation, not a story. I think it's a situation, not a story. And I think the science is interesting, but that's all there is to the film. And after a while, I found that the film was getting way too long, and I got tired of seeing... It is over two hours. It is over two hours, and I got tired of seeing Matt Damon solve problems. Then I got tired of seeing Chiwetel Ejiofor solve problems. Oh, I love him. Then I got tired of seeing Danny Glover solve problems, <laughs> and then Jessica Chastain, and then Michael Pena. And after a while, I kind of thought, I, but I want a story. And also, there's nothing, there's no reason for Mark Watney to get back to Earth immediately. He's just a guy who wants to get back to Earth, understandably, so you can do stuff like breathe oxygen and eat normal food. But he's got no – he's got – there's nothing calling him back to Earth. Survival. Yes, survival. But, I mean, that's not a story. He he does not get back to Earth. Castaway, speaking of Robert Zemeckis, that's a story. He's got a woman waiting for him out there somewhere Kinda. who doesn't know that he's still alive. And you also get that great two-part split in Castaway of the survival story and then the aftermath. I that's think a that deep that's film. an unnecessary schlock. Like, that was one of the things I didn't like about Gravity. What about Gravity? Where we have our astronaut played by Sandra Bullock who is heartbroken over 
a husband and well, a daughter a fa- that's a and fake, all that. That's that, fake. That just seemed unnecessary to me, and I'm glad that in this movie that wasn't there. That was that was, was fake. Fine. Gravity also had no story. I was fine having it just be about survival. That I found, I, I accepted I got it bored. on its own terms. I'm like, I got this, bored that's what Mars. this movie, and I've not been able to stop thinking about the Martian since we saw it. Really? I stay up at night thinking about surviving on Mars. Thinking about growing your own potatoes? I think about all of that. I think about what I can do with my poo and my <laughs> tears because I'm going to be crying every day. I think about all of this stuff. So, did you think the Martian was like a great date? I thought it was a very good date, Rafer. No kidding. Yes. I thought it was a pretty so so date. All right, well, stay with us, because when we come back, we have movie therapy for all you horror movie lovers or horror movie haters out there. I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And this is Movie Date. Let's move on to what we have to move on to, Rafer. What seems to be the trouble? Can I confess something? I'm just trying to tell you about my feelings. He's been depressed. Help! We have a great movie therapy question this week, Rafer. Let me read it out loud to us. This is from Posey, and she's in Seattle. She says, it is now October, the only month in which my strange and lovely wife, Sarah, will watch horror movies, and only horror movies, all month long. I need a quality pile of horror movies. What should we watch? Good question, Posey. There are some bad horror movies out there, Posey. And that is One Strange Wife. <laughs> I love this wife. You got there. Oh, man. I would not sleep that whole month. You know I get so scared. <laughs> I know. You I get, get so, so scared. <laughs> you get so scared, Kristen. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, but this, that's a good question because it's true that horror movies are generally pretty lousy. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. They used to be called horror movies, but then they had to change the term because it was too hard to spell, but yeah. I think that's not true, however, (laughs) but I do like it. Uh, So, okay, so the the goal here then is to give you 31 movies to watch. I know we're already a little bit into October, so we're a little bit late here, but we're going to give you 31 movies to watch for the month of Halloween. So, Kristen, start off. My first recommendation is House of Wax, but make sure it's the Vincent Price version, not the Paris Hilton one. (laughs) <laughs> That's right, the Paris Hilton one. Okay, I'm going to recommend The Baba Duke from just last year. Great horror movie about a mom and her kid. Uh, sounds like the usual sort of uh, horror setup. It's not. It gets very psychologically deep, very interesting, very symbolic. If you like Jane Campion, if you like David Lynch, I think you'll love The Baba Duke. My next recommendation is Eyes Without a Face from 1960. Ah. In this film, we have a father who has a daughter. The daughter has been disfigured in a terrible car accident. He feels horrible about it. He happens to be a surgeon. He decides he's going to kidnap a bunch of girls, try to do face transplants by killing those girls, putting those faces on his daughter. It doesn't always work as you would expect. And it ends kind of magically. Pretty grisly stuff for 1960, (laughs) isn't it? Okay, uh, also going back a ways, Phantasm from 1979. Very strange, low-budget, cult horror hit. Uh, The greatest thing that you'll remember about Phantasm, if you haven't already seen it, is the floating metal sphere that zips around through a mortuary and uh, it has two blades that come out of it and will stab you in the skull and suck all your blood out of your forehead. That's just one of the great things about Phantasm. (laughs) My next recommendation, 2008, Let the Right One In. Uh, Yes. I know that Rafer likes the American one. I like that too. And I like the Scandinavian one. So if you can watch this one, it's about a little girl who is a vampire. And how does she get through the world? 
by befriending little boys. And how long has she been a vampire? Who knows? Who knows? Boy, that's a good movie. Um, I will also recommend Diabolique, great movie from uh, Henri-Georges Clouseau. I am pretty sure that Clouseau changed the way that um, Hitchcock made his movies. Diabolique takes place in a boarding school, and uh, there seems to be some kind of a ghost uh, floating around in the boarding school. Or is it something else? Is there a more real explanation for what's happening? Great movie, extremely creepy, hair-raising ending, one of my favorites. Speaking of hair-raising... The Woman in Black. <laughs> that is not, that barely even Starring counts Daniel as a horror movie. Radcliffe, and it's so spooky. It's so spooky. Everyone's wearing Victorian clothes and black. There's a woman in black. Only you could get scared by Daniel Radcliffe. I was screaming my head off during this. I remember. Do you remember that? Yes, and I do. You were laughing at me. You <laughs> yes, were I do. laughing and I was screaming. <laughs> I remember that. I I had to give you that one, Kristen. I had to give you that for a recommendation. All right. I'm going to talk about scary. Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer from 1986. <laughs> That's a scary movie. Grizzly, nasty, ugly, horrifying, uh, very controversial when it came out, initially rated X. Uh, people were uh, highly, highly upset by the violence. Uh, they thought the film was amoral, but it's since gone down. It's one of the best horror movies around. That's uh, that's my other recommendation. For something a little bit lighter, I recommend A Cabin in the Woods. Cabin oh. in the Woods is good humor. It's got some strange twists happening in it. It starts off seeming like a typical, oh, no, teenagers are in the woods in a cabin. But that's not how it ends. Boy, did I love that movie. Um, okay, jumping back and forth a little bit, I'm going to go with The Thing by John Carpenter. It's a remake of a classic film, but I think this one is even more classic. 1982, a bunch of guys, including Kurt Russell, trapped in the uh-huh. Antarctic and bedeviled by some strange, shape-shifting kind of bacteria, creature, alien, something or other. Horrifying. The special effects at the time were eye-popping. I still think it's great, gory, awful, horrible fun. And speaking of Carpenter, a Carpenter-inspired movie okay. called The Guest that came out last year with Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey. Yes. Oh, no. He's not charming Matthew anymore with his tucks and tails. No. He is actually a cold-blooded killer who seems charming at first but is no good. <laughs> All right. Speaking of uh, charmless guests, The Last House on the Left, the Wes Craven shock exploitation classic from 1972, uh, based actually on an Ingmar Bergman film, The Virgin Spring, uh, about a... Oh, I didn't know it was based yes, on indeed, that. indeed, about some uh, rapists who wind up uh, staying over at the house of the parents of their victim which no one knows until they do, and then all hell breaks loose. Great movie. Remake, not too bad either, but uh, the 72 classic's pretty unbeatable. All right, speaking of visitors, I'm going to recommend The Visit, which we just reviewed a couple of weeks ago, which is the new M. Night Shyamalan movie about two kids who go to visit their estranged grandparents, and they're not just estranged. They're strange. (laughs) They are strange. Yes. Uh. Okay, also uh, another recent pick uh, from not too long ago, Unfriended, takes place entirely on the laptop screen of one girl as she's watching all her friends being picked off by, is it a ghost? Is it, uh, what is it? We don't know. Seems like a gimmick, but it's actually terrific. Oh, a lot of fun. All right, next recommendation. Let's go back a little ways to something a little bit more innocent. Gremlins. Oh, it's it's a nice little Christmas present you're bringing home for your son, isn't it? A little furry thing that looks kind of like it's a cousin of a chinchilla, but don't get it wet. (laughs) That's right. And don't feed it after midnight (laughs) or bad things will happen. 
Here's another movie about little tiny creatures. Don't be afraid of the dark. Now, Guillermo del Toro remade this movie in 2010, and that was not bad either. But I will tell you, the 1973 television movie is one of the scariest things I have ever seen. How did they broadcast this? You wouldn't think that it would be scary. The housewife uh, who is being tortured by little tiny demons that live in her heater, which sounds like the dumbest thing you've ever heard. (laughs) And I will tell you, that movie will freak you out. One of my favorites. Well, since we're talking about old movies, including the word dark, let's talk about Wait Until Dark, the Audrey Hepburn movie. Yes, Alan Arkin. Yes. She's playing a blind woman who lives by herself. She's got a nice life. She's independent. But then some people who think that maybe she's not as independent as she seems decide to break into her house. She has to defend herself, and she's blind. It is scary, suspenseful, good fun. That is. Uh, from roughly the same era, I'm going to choose The Tenant by Roman Polanski. This is a very obscure film that I don't feel like I ever hear anyone talk about. Polanski himself is the star. He plays a guy who moves into an apartment. The previous tenant has committed suicide. Uh, Polanski begins to find uh, little clues to uh, her and her personality and what she was up to and what was wrong with her. And she thinks it might have something to do with all the other people in the building. I found this movie to be so creepy and so unsettling. Shelley Winters plays uh, the uh, landlady of the uh, of the building. The whole the whole building has just got this great, creepy, horrible vibe to it. I have never forgotten this movie ever since I saw it. I am never going to see that, Rafer. That I sounds... really advise you not to, Kristen. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a movie that's more recent, Under the Skin, starring Scarlett Johansson. We interviewed her about this movie. It is so creepy. She's not of this earth. She is imitating a human, and yet she's not quite a human. And what she's doing and how she's communicating with earthlings is so bizarre. She's in Glasgow the whole time. We're already here in America. We can't understand what they say. That's right. So in some ways, she's more human to us in America, but in many ways, she's not. You know, you liked that movie more than I did, but I will say that was a deeply disturbing film. (laughs) Um, Here's a film that's not quite as disturbing, but it's a lot of fun. The Hunger, the old 80s classic oh, with yeah. David Bowie and Susan Sarandon and Catherine Deneuve. Vampires have never looked more stylish. <laughs> it's a little more uh, a little more silly than scary in some ways, although it does have some great kind of freak out moments to it. It also has one of my favorite bands in the world, Bauhaus, playing over the opening credits. I always love The Hunger. Oh, yeah. Don't don't forget the great clothes and hair in that movie, too. Oh, of course. Fantastic. It's the 80s, all about the hair. Another movie from just a little bit later than that, Interview with the Vampire. Oh, the vampires look pretty good in that, too. You know, I was just the right age to love this movie. I was a teenager. Now, I don't know if you liked it, Rafer, because you're just enough older than me that you could probably roll your eyes at it. But, I rolled my eyes, for oh, sure. But who didn't love all the cute boys in this movie? We <laughs> Christian Slater, we had oh, that's right. Brad Pitt. We, we were supposed to have River Phoenix in it, but he passed away before yes. the movie. Uh, Tom Cruise. Of course. All of this in the wonderful New Orleans of another time and place. Yes, indeed. And all the no good that those vampires get up to because this is when vampires are still dangerous and sexy. That's right. Pre-Twilight. Loved it. (laughs) All right, I'll give you one uh, not sexy, totally dangerous 
not glamorous at all vampire Nosferatu from 1922, <laughs> played by Max Schreck. I got to tell you, for a silent film, this thing still packs a punch. Max Schreck is so good, so grisly and horrible looking as the sort of god, the godfather of all vampires. I still think this movie is a lot of fun and really works to freak you out. All right. Well, I'm going to go for something lighter to recover from that. Okay. Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't love that? I want to be a dentist. Do you want to be a dentist? <laughs> I have a talent for causing pain. <laughs> no Novocaine, please. It dulls the senses. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Yes, indeed. Sure. Little Shop of Horrors. Great one. I want to see the new one, though, Rafer. Oh, you like the new one? Oh, come on. It's a musical. No, I'm going back, back to the old Roger Corman original. Okay. They're well, both good. They're, they're both, both good. good. You got yeah. a twofer on there. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's one that I've always loved. Peeping Tom from 1960. Uh, this film so upset people at the time. It's about a guy, uh, well, he's a peeping Tom. He uh, goes around town uh, looking in on women. What people can't figure out is why whenever they find his victims, their faces are contorted into a look of such horror that the detectives have never in their lives seen. What is it he's doing to them that causes it? When you find out, you will never forget it. Oh, great, my gosh. great old movie. Wow. All right. I'm going to suggest your next. This movie is a couple years old. We have yes. some people who get together with their rich parents and have a dysfunctional family dinner. And it just seems like your typical dysfunctional family get together until people start dying off violently one by one by one, including one who dies by way of a blender. <laughs> I actually, no spoilers. But I think we have two movies with Death by Blender on no, this list. Yes, really? we do. I think we do. Um, here's a little gem from 2009 by Sam Raimi. Didn't get a lot of traction at the time. It's called Drag Me to Hell. It's really kind of almost like a throwback to those old kind of uh, Twilight Zone-y uh, 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 anthology horror films where the story feels a little bit like a fable. Um, the main uh, character in this is a girl. She, uh, she gives out bank loans. She refuses to give one to an old gypsy woman. And, of course, the gypsy woman puts a curse on her. I think this movie is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It's got a lot of great Sam Raimi touches. And uh, I don't know why it didn't get a better, a better reception, but now it's on your list. You know why it didn't get a better reception? Because that's the same year that Zombieland came out and stole all uh, the Glory, Zombieland is my next recommendation. I love Zombieland. I love it. Yes. In this movie, we have Jesse Eisenberg, we have Emma Stone, we have Woody Harrelson, yes. we have Abigail Breslin, and all of them together, this group of misfits will do anything to survive against the zombie apocalypse. You know what? I'm not even going to tell you the rest. It's so gruesome and funny. <laughs> it's very funny and very gruesome. It is very, very enjoyable. Uh, all right. Here's another classic going way, way back, Freaks by Todd Browning. Oh, so good. The story of... Uh, a, 1930s, yeah. A, yes, the story of a community of circus freaks, all played by actual circus freaks. I'm sorry to use that term, but that's the name of the <laughs> name of the film. I won't tell you much more about the story, but great, creepy, very strange cult film. And uh, again, one of those films that just has an ending you'll never forget. I will say this about it, who the real freaks are in the end. Yes, exactly. That's really the message there. And one so it's okay us. to use one the, of us. Yes, it's okay to use the word freaks in this case. Right. Okay. We're all freaks, aren't we? Okay. All right. Next recommendation, The Gift, a movie starring, get a load of this, both Kate Blanchett and Katie Holmes. This is not the new The Gift of with Joel Edgerton that just came out. This is a different this The Gift. This is a totally different The Gift. And okay. in this one, The Gift is a psychic power and Sam Raimi directed it, and in addition to the great cast of Kate Blanchett and Katie Holmes, 
We also have Keanu Reeves, Giovanni Ribisi, Hilary Swank, Greg Kinnear. It's an amazing cast, and the stuff that happens in this is not what you would expect and not what you would predict, but maybe something that only one character can see. That's a great choice. Okay, um, getting down to the end here, I'm going to recommend with some reservations... It Follows, a movie that uh, came out not too long ago. Uh, In this case, the horror is essentially a sexually transmitted disease, and the only way you can get rid of it is to pass it on, give it to somebody else. But if that person dies, it comes back to you. I think this film's got a great first half, a so-so second half, but I still think the movie's worth watching. It's fun. It's very interesting, and it is pretty scary. Yeah, and I felt it had a little bit of that Carpenter feeling, which I always like. Yes, and our final pick, which Rafer and I both agree is a scary movie, 28 Days Later. Now, this is another zombie apocalypse movie, this time in England. And this time, what we have are just a couple of survivors who, unlike Zombieland, have no sense of humor. This is just scary, <laughs> scary right. stuff. And this is also the era of zombies moving too fast. That's right. That's right. The, the new fast zombies. I liked the old slow zombies much, much better. Well, that's just because you don't like being scared. I don't, I don't like being scared and I don't like being eaten by zombies. <laughs> I really don't want to be eaten by a zombie. No, no, none of that. All right. That's our list. 31 scary movies. If that doesn't get you through till, uh, till Halloween, give us a call back and we'll see what we can do. And for the rest of you folks out there, if you have a movie therapy question, give us a call at 5717movies. Or you can write to us at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast. And you can use that kind of contact information also for trivia. Rafer, what did we ask last week? Last week we were talking about another horror film that I actually thought was quite good, The Green Inferno by Eli Roth, uh, in which a group of uh, Western do-gooders go to the Amazon and they wind up being uh, eaten by the very people they're trying to help. So racist. Uh, Yeah, Kristen thought it was racist. I thought it was hilarious. And uh, we started thinking about some other cannibal movies, and we picked one that you probably wouldn't ordinarily think of. Here's a clip. You're going to need a separate truck for all your stuff. What the hell is going on here? Looks like your wife's leaving you, mister. Oh, sure she is. Hey, don't, don't you touch her. Let go. Uh. You! Get her down. Back right. uh. Let's go. Come on. You okay? Let's get this room. Get out of here. Come on, this room. If you ever touch her again, I'll kill you. You'd expect not a lot of people to think of this as a cannibal movie, but a lot of you got the right answer. Here is one of those answers. Hi, this is Sylvia calling from San Francisco, California, with an answer to your trivia question. The movie is Fried Green Tomatoes. Tawanda! Bye! Love the show. Tawanda! (laughs) I love, Sylvia, that you yelled out a line from the movie. Tawanda! That's Kathy Bates, right? (laughs) Yes. Oh, boy. Yes, excellent. Fried green tomatoes. That is correct. Kristen, what is this week's stumper? All right. This week, in honor of The Walk, which a lot of people think of as just a remake of Man on Wire, we're thinking about other movies where there was a documentary first and then a feature film, and maybe one feels like a copycat of the other. We're going to play a clip of one feature film where that's the case. Here it is. I am out there trying my best, okay? Yeah, why did you quit hooking? Because cause I needed to, all right? Because you thought I was stupid enough to support you. No, Sylvia. Because no, you're using me. No, because you're using me. Because I can killed someone, all right? My last John, all right? I killed my last John. I was raped and beat to 
Dude's gonna get killed. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, what is that movie? I like the documentary too. Yes. If you know the name of that feature film, give us a call, 5717 Movies. Or you can message us at facebook.com slash movie date podcast.